Thank you, Leanne. Leanne has done such a great job this past year, and uh, I am grateful to her leadership and uh, how much she just uh, exudes such excitement uh, for this community because it is genuine and it's true. Now, I, I do want to just say, for the sake of you, if there are anybody visiting with us, uh, this is a little unusual for us uh, to be doing a, a worship service slash meeting, but I hope that the tone of the meeting itself uh, will be one that is honoring to God and glorifying to Him. One of the reasons we produce reports in a booklet and you voting members elect people is so that you have an opportunity to read those reports and hear what the Lord is doing and look ahead with the various ministry leaders. And my report has been uh, in that booklet this year. That's actually one of the first times I've got it in there. So pardon some of the typos, but I was working under a deadline. But you don't have to applaud. I, I, maybe, maybe. Uh, but... That, that means that even right now, I'm not going to read all of it, but perhaps just highlight for you um, some of the significant uh, uh, points. Uh, this is my seventh report as senior pastor of Skyview Church. It doesn't feel like seven years. Uh, seven is a good number, they say. Uh, you know, there's some who study the Bible in terms of its numerical meanings, and they say seven is God's number. I don't know if, if I would quite go as far, but we know creation story revolves around seven creation days and seven events there. And there seems to be, uh, uh, at least biblically, uh, good associated with seven. <laughs> Uh, I can say to you honestly that it doesn't feel like seven years since I started here. But for those of you who were with us when I first began, and when I started here, when we started here as pastor, I hope you would be able to say along with me that we are not the same church we were, and that in many ways we have been through some very, very good and challenging times, but God's faithfulness has continued to grow us as a church to become his people. And for this, I give God thanks. Let me also say this. I am not the same person I was when I started here. <laughs> and for this, you ought to give God thanks as well. For God has not only shaped a people apart from its pastor, but God has worked in my life and shaped me. And you, all of you, play such a significant role in all of that. There's three words that define our past year, I would say. Transition, trust, and thanksgiving. Change is never easy for any of us. Um, we don't like changes to routine, some more than others. We, we don't like change that is forced upon us. And in some ways, we have endured both. Some transition and changes that we've made out of a sense of wanting to change and transition. But there's also been changes that has been kind of put upon us that we had really no control over. Um, when the nation of Israel left Egypt, and as their leader was leading them, Moses was leading them, there came a critical time in his leadership where he recognized that the change from the familiar to that which God has promised was a difficult transformation and change to make, and that the people were starting to get concerned and they were starting to get discouraged. And it's in Exodus chapter 33 that, uh, that we read uh, Moses saying, if you, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not, do not send us up from here. In other words, we don't want to travel into a future without you. We don't want to take steps in a direction without your presence with us. The success of their journey 
was entirely dependent upon the God who was faithful to their forefathers and whose presence was essential to their existence and their success. We just sang a song in our worship service um, that, that says, um, never once did you leave us on our own, never once did we walk alone. I may have mixed those two lines up. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. And I can say to you, in the year we've had, God has been faithful, and in the years gone by. So what are some of the changes? We moved location. Uh, we moved from a place that I would say was very comfortable for a church like us. I don't know if many of you know this, but we were at Rocky for more than 10 years as a community. Uh, many great experiences, many great memories, many great youth activities in some of those rooms and fun times. Uh, many, many uh, baby dedications and baptisms, many great experiences. The Rocky, the Rocky staff and leadership was gracious to us in the time that we were there. We enjoyed not only the space of worship in the sanctuary, but we also enjoyed access to classrooms throughout the week where we could have our board meetings. And, and those things were not necessarily written into the contract, but there was much grace given to us during our time there. So you can imagine for those of us who relied upon the grace of that space, <laughs> that when we were moving, and at the last moment we're told we were not moving to the place we thought we were moving, there was much anxiety. Um, sadly, and I say this sincerely, as we made the transition, we lost some folks in the process. If I was to be very transparent with you as a pastor, and I always try to be transparent, but moments, call, moments like these calls for transparency that I think is important for you to know. It is never easy for me as a pastor or any pastor that I know who cares about his people to see anyone leave, whether it be for good or bad reasons. And it is never easy for a community of faith to experience the loss of people that they've grown to love and has walked with them and that they've walked with. I realize that there is an inevitability in life uh, some of the reasons some of the folks left was personal. Some of it was related to work opportunities. Some of it was related to specific family situations. And even though they are unavoidable, they are losses that does wear on me as a pastor and wears on many of us who've grown to love people and live with them. For after all, we are a community of faith that seeks to be more than just people who worship together. We want to be a people who know one another and together live out this faith. And so I take a moment to say thank you to those who have been with us who are not with us. Uh, I, I want you to know that when people make transition in our church, I, I pursue why. <laughs> I hope people won't just feel that they, that they are missed or that they're neglected, and sometimes that is very hard. And in the spirit of transparency, which is one of our values as a church, I wanted you to know that as a pastor, I value your presence here. <laughs> I do. But if God leads, and God leads people sometimes away from us, even in that is the grace of God. And I would also say this to you, that despite the loss of some, we have grown with others. God seems to have a wonderful way of blessing the church in unusual ways. When I was working in Toronto for a pastor of a church that I consider to be one of the most prolific pastors I've ever worked with, a man committed to the Lord, a man with vision. I, I, I would stand next to him and I'd feel tired just hearing vision come out of him. He was that, he was that energetic and that hardworking. I remember sitting in a board meeting once where he was talking to the church about, about sending about, get this, about 80 people from the existing church to go and be with another church plant. And as he shared this, I remember the people in the board going, 
Are you serious, pastor? Uh, that's a lot of people we want to see. And we saw the list of people. These are good people. We don't want to lose these good people. And I will never forget what the pastor said to them. He says, in years gone by, when we have trusted the Lord and we've been generous with what God has given us, God has always blessed such obedience. God has always rewarded such sacrifice. And even though our circumstance is not the same, I want to say to you that when we continue to walk with this God who's faithful to us, who's present with us in our journey, when we continue to keep him at the center of our life and our community, that even though we go through very difficult times, God is always faithful. And so despite the transition and the loss of some, we still have grown with others. Um, Our stats, and I'm not a big stats person, but our stats... uh, Uh, in review would indicate that last year at this time we had about 124 people who would come to worship on a Sunday and this year we're four less than that at 120. But quite the, I think this is a significant stat for you to know, not that we only, only measure numbers, but in total we have just shy of 200 people who are actively involved in worship and ministry at Skyview. That is to say, that if everybody showed up on the same Sunday, there'd be about 200 of us. I think that's rather good. And despite that, I want to also say this, that I have started to see an emergence of a strong core of people who consider this to be their church and who are proud of who we are as a community of faith. I thank God for that. In transition, God forms us in ways that he wouldn't. You know, when, when, we, when, we, when we moved from Rocky, uh, I could not have foreseen some of the ways in which God would challenge us, some of the ways in which God would grow us. Our ministry leaders, and many of you have stepped up in tremendous way to make the transition less painful and an opportunity for growth and transformation. But we also experienced not only the transition from space, we experienced the transition of Pastor Jeff and his family. And I've asked uh, William to put together a little PowerPoint. We'll put that up later on with pictures and so on. But after just shy of three years of ministry with us, Pastor Jeff and his family accepted a call to serve as the senior pastor of Vancouver First Church of the Nazarene. Uh, When Jeff was with us, his responsibilities was in children's ministry, which included managing the team of leaders and volunteers. Uh, some of you would know in years gone by, this has been very challenging to do in a church our size to have volunteers on a regular basis work with our children. Not only work with them, but, but help them to grow and to know Christ. He helped with curriculum, he helped with training and support. And in addition to that, Pastor Jeff also preached periodically. So, you know, there are some times where you've just had enough of me and you need someone else. And he would step in and be here to preach and, and, and share the word of God. He also offered pastoral care where, where, where there was shortcoming. And he also served on our property committee. So when Pastor Jeff, uh, you know, first mentioned to me, when I got a call from the district superintendent uh, from Canada Pacific District saying, can I, can, I, can I just talk to you about Pastor Jeff? I had the sneaking suspicion that there was more to it than just talking about Pastor Jeff. I remember Pastor Jeff coming into my office the next day and saying to me, Stu, I got a call from, you know, Earl Wood, and he wants me to consider this church, but I'm, I'm really not interested. That was the first moment that I knew he was actually, I had a sense he was going to move. Because every time I've said I'm not interested in something, God has convinced me the other way most times. 
And I would be lying to you if I said that I, I felt very personally that at that particular moment in time, Pastor Jeff was just hitting his stride with us. In fact, after a number of years of being here and kind of just finding his place, it takes a while to find your place in the community, you know? And I was just starting to feel like, ah, I think Pastor Jeff is finding his place, his space, leading out of his strengths, this transition came. And so on a personal level, I was quite disappointed. I was also anxious about what the future would hold, in particular with children's ministry. But I know that the Lord always provides. I remember when I left my first assignment and there was much tears, (laughs) mostly mine, (laughs) Uh, that as I left, now as I look back, I see how God has grown leaders out of that church that I was a part of. And I recognized that at times when it doesn't even make sense to us, God still knows what he's doing. Our children's ministry workers have stepped up and have shown tremendous leadership and initiative. I don't know if you realize how much work it takes on a weekly basis to just set up this space and to be available and to ensure that we continue to serve our children well. We are also fortunate to have uh, you know, other people step up in different areas. We have capable speakers. I, I was slightly hurt by Leanne's statement uh, to me through an email recently, and I say this gently, <laughs> but we just finalized our speaking for my sabbatical, and she wrote, she says, I am so super excited uh, for these speakers, and then she put in brackets, no offense, Stu, which I now confess to you slightly offended me. But I say that to say this, you are in capable hands because of the quality of people, not only the speakers we're bringing in, but the people who consider this to be their church. I, um, I can't begin, and I've tried in, my, in the end of my report to list my thanks, but there's so many reasons to give God thanks. But in addition to space change and staff change, this has been a very difficult year economically for many of you. Um, I have to say to you that it's the first time in my experience of pastoral ministry that I've been a pastor of a church during an economic downturn. This past year, we experienced the impact of a slowing economy, and many people have lost their jobs, so I've been put on reduced hours, some uh, that you may never know by the countenance that they still keep. They don't look like they are going through difficult times. As a result of this, Uh, we have seen a decrease in our giving. So since July last year, I think more or less, and our finance chair will report that we will run a deficit. In other words, what we thought we would be able to do and get in in terms of funds won't be a reality for us. But instead of me this morning saying to you that this is all gloom, I do want to just take an opportunity to thank this church for your faithfulness throughout the years. You have, because of your faithfulness in years gone by, given us some of a cushion this year so that in the losses we are experiencing, as we calculated, we'll still be okay. I believe that. You see, through it all, I continue to thank God, not only for your faithfulness this, during this season, but for the way in which you tithe, not only of your finances, but of your time and of your talents and who God has made you to be. I, I'm going to speak of someone, but I won't mention her name. Uh, She spoke to me about the desire to tithe and being in a season of life where that's not possible. 
And as I looked at this particular person in our church, I could say to her with, with a great deal of confidence, but oh, you tithe so faithfully in other ways. You give so faithfully in other ways. And so I say to those of us who are in the, experience, in the situation where the economy has really affected us personally, um, where we have significant decisions to make, significant impacts, Know that as a pastor, I continue to pray and support you. As a church, I invite us to pray for those who are experiencing this. But also as a church, we want to continue to respond to any expressed needs within our community in practical ways. We do not exist to have a huge bank account. We exist to bless so that others would come to know the love of Jesus Christ. And we can remain committed as a church to using all that God has given us to such an end. Despite the reduction in tithe and offering, we remain committed to the priorities of our mission and our ministry. This includes enabling our various ministries from children through to worship to financially accomplish their ministry goals. We will also, as a church leadership, continue to practice discretion concerning expenses as we prioritize what matters most. I want to say this again as a board and as a finance committee and as a pastor, we understand these are difficult times. As a result of that, we've also slowed down the hire of an associate pastor. When Pastor Jeff left, I know some of you came to me and said, who are you going to hire? Uh, we should get about that. I do believe that my slowness to moving might be <laughs> a good thing in hindsight. Um, because of not filling the position, we've not been as financially stressed or strapped as we possibly would have been. But the reason we slowed down the hiring of an associate pastor is twofold. First, I believe that who we hire next has to be somebody that is hired out of the vision and the direction in which God is leading us. And that such a person, uh, God will bring to us as we discern what that looks like. The second reason is that as a result of the financial position we currently find ourselves in, we thought that we'd give ourselves some room, some time, to grow into the capacity to do so. Know that in the fall, when I get back, one of the top priorities is to address the hire of an associate. And then I want to speak about trust. David said to the people, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. <laughs> you know, we could put our trust in many things, but the psalmist would teach us that ultimately misplaced trust would lead to defeat, but trusting God would always lead to victory. Similarly, when we continue to place our trust in God, we have a confidence and assurance that his plan for our church will be fulfilled. The year ahead is an invitation for Skyview to continue to place our trust in the God who is able to do, in the words of the Apostle Paul and my mom's favorite scripture, immeasurably more than we think or imagine. In this year ahead, as has been proven in the year gone by, we will begin the construction and the completion of our own worship facility. It has been a long journey, <laughs> filled with unforeseen challenge and patience-testing delays. 
Yet we are closer to fulfilling this dream than we have ever been before. I look forward with great anticipation to the breaking of ground and the start of this, this project. But most of all, I want to remind you why we build a facility. We build a facility not simply to say, hey, look at us, we've got our own church building after being nomads for over 20 years. We do not build a church building so that we can have the best facility because it won't be the best facility. But we build a church building because we want to do two things, be a presence in a community that says we are here to stay as ambassadors of hope in the name of Jesus Christ. But we also build a facility for those who will come after us. The Jamies, the Lukes, a generation of children that we so desperately want to pass on our faith to. We invest at great cost to ourselves because we have seen in years gone by when people, and you know what I'm talking about, people have given sacrificially for a dream to build, not that buildings are the, are the be and end all, but they've invested in ministry because they have not only thought about themselves, but they've thought about those who can be impacted through such sacrifice. And so I want to say thank you for everyone who's given sacrificially. For those of you who pray for this project and pray for our building program and pray for our leaders that is involved, thank you. For those of you who give sacrificially and give to this cause, thank you. Continue to do so. For what we are doing is much bigger than any one of us can do, but together we can accomplish much with the grace and the help of God. We stand on the sacrifice of people like Anona Corbett affectionately known here in this community as Anne. I said this morning in our prayer time, I could push Anne to complain, but she would never complain. I could bring up people that are really, really prickly to get along with, but she would have nothing to do with it and say nothing, not that I was trying to be antagonistic or get her to sin, but she would find a gracious way to not criticize. And I don't know if you know this, but Anona made personal sacrifices financially to purchase that 3.5 acres of land. And one of the things she said to me, she says, Pastor, I am so excited to one day walk in that church building. A few years ago, the Lord called her home at the age of 99. She waited a long time. And though she may not physically be able to walk with us, we trust that we can celebrate not only her memory, but her faithfulness as we accomplish something that has been in the heart of people like Anona for many years. And then in this year ahead, it's an opportunity to trust when it comes to sabbatical. <laughs> you know, a few weeks ago when we had a representative from Compassion Canada right here in the service, and you were sharing your hearts through our sharing time initiated by our Skyview reaching out. I was so encouraged by what you had to say, but it was such an incredible word from God to me when a total stranger stood up in our midst and says, you know what's happening here is unusual, right? There was a clear sense to me in that moment that this church is in capable hands, not because of Stu Williams. <laughs> but because the Lord Jesus Christ is 
working in the hearts and lives of so many. So, the purpose of my sabbatical is yes, to allow me the opportunity to complete necessary coursework that I began many years ago. I should have about five degrees by now, uh, the time spent on it. But second, it would also afford me some much needed time for personal renewal and rest as I look ahead to this new and exciting season of ministry. When I was offered the sabbatical, I, I, I would say this, I did not really feel that I needed a sabbatical. Most pastors usually think they're doing better than they really are. And I don't need the sabbatical because I am burnt out, although I've seen some signs that might indicate I'm maybe not as healthy as I thought I was. And I will share about this next week, but the Lord has so impressed upon my heart the passion that I shared when he first called me to ministry. I have such an exciting testimony to share with you next week, but let, let me just let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Is that the right term, hun? Cat out of the bag? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know where I hear some of these things, and, and I have to be very careful in quoting those kinds of things because Ruthann has some strange East Coast sayings that um, I find is not Canadian, it's just East Coast. <laughs> but I would say this to you, I see the hand of God in opportunity that provided for me for sabbatical. And my supreme desire is, is that he would reignite that deep passion that made me bold, courageous, sacrificial and determined to live as faithfully to his calling as ever. Ruthann, the kids and I are incredibly grateful to you for the opportunity afforded to us a family. It is our hope and prayer that God will continue to empower the witness and ministry of Skyview Church during the season of sabbatical. And I'm confident that the work that has been done to prepare the church in my absence is good work. I know that you are in good hands. And I trust that in the period of sabbatical that you would recognize it's not just a break that I'm taking from ministry here, but you are getting a break from me, that you would be thankful for that. Because just as the heart grows fonder in times of absence, it is my hope that in this break, God would renew the pastoral and church relationship in a refreshing and deeper way. That we would learn to appreciate each other and love each other as God desires. Uh, I ask that you pray for me during sabbatical. My wife and family will continue to worship here, if you let them. Um, in particular, that I would find a healthy balance between study and rest, and that um, together with Ruthann and the kids, I could truly benefit from this time, not only for my sake, but for the sake of this church. And then finally, thanksgiving. One of our core values as a church is thanksgiving. It is a value that is reflected more and more within this church community. There's two ways in which you can live your life as a Christian. You can always complain about what you don't have, or you can stop and count your blessings, naming them one by one. And the chorus says that it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I, um, I've heard it said that the mark of a maturing Christian is that he or she grows in their capacity to give thanks. And instead of complaints, their language and prayers are seasoned with more thanksgiving and praise. So I want to end by practicing what I preach. I thank God for each one of you. As the church that I have had the privilege of serving as pastor for the seven years. When I came here, I was very idealistic. <laughs> Oh, I had great dreams. <laughs> great dreams that had to be 
trimmed and refined by the great shepherd because he has taught me to love the church as that is and not the church that I think we ought to be. He has taught me that there is many things that needs to change yet and he has shown me ways in which we can grow. But he is the God who comes to us in grace and says, it is the real you that I love. And so when I say to you, I love you, some of you along with me have walked through some pretty difficult times. Some of you and I have perhaps at times, and, and let's just start, I'm not, don't, don't leave you going up past this having feuds with people, but, but there's been some times we've not agreed and perhaps there's been some times where it's been tense. But the kind of love that is birthed by the Spirit of God in a community of faith when you grow to love people and learn to be committed to them and they to you is the kind of love that makes a church a church. So when I say I love you, I do not say that in the, as compared to the dating phase in a relationship where there is nothing about me that is imperfect and you are just the love of my idealistic life. But I say that as a pastor who knows many of you, who knows what you've gone through, I also say that as a pastor that has been very transparent, perhaps too transparent at times with my own journey. Um, you know me. And if you listen closely to me when I preach and when I go off on a, t- <laughs> on a tangent, I reveal a lot about my own journey, my own life, my own heart. You know that I preach not as one that is above you, but as one who is alongside you. I I minister as someone who together with you is trying to discern the grace and the leading of God in my life and in our life as a community. And I want to say to you that I truly could not be part of a better church than this. If Ruthann and I had, I've said this to her, and I think she would say the same. If we were to move to, let's just give me a city in Alberta. Give me any city real quick. Red Deer. Did I hear Red Deer? Okay, Grant. Vulcan. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I would up the multiracial component there by 100%. Um, um, If we were to move to Vulcan, I I could honestly say this to you, that... uh, that, that if there was a church to choose, if there was a church that we had the privilege, we've never had that because we've always, we've always responded to God's leading to go to a church. So we've not been in the position like some of you have where you can kind of go to a city and go, I don't like that church, I don't like this church. But if we were in your favorite position, <laughs> we would choose a church like this. Not just because of the people that are here, but because of what God is doing in and through the lives of the people that are here. Our children are loved here. And, and not, you know, you, you, you may see me up here and you think this is the measure of our church, what happens here and what I say here on Sunday. I preach my heart out to you every Sunday, I know, and I leave it all out on the table, so to speak, every Sunday. But you have to know that whatever comes out here is just the tip of the iceberg to what has happened in me and what is happening in this community. God is working in significant ways. I preach out of conviction because it is true. And I thank you for the ways in which you are being those people, that family, that church. So, I say thanks. 
To you, the church family, your blessing to us as a family and to me as a pastor, your encouragement and support has made a significant impact on my family and we are truly blessed. To all of our children's ministry workers from nursery through elementary age who invest lovingly in the growth and development of our children. Last week, I walked up to Dorothy and Millie, Dot, aka Dot, affectionately known as Dot and Millie. I visit Miss Bella, some of you know, one of our seniors that don't come out anymore because of health. And every time I visit Miss Bella, she asks me this question, how is little Dot doing? Now she's been away long enough that she hasn't met Millie or May. And so I would tell her that, well, you know, there's two others now and she'd be quite shocked. And I said, there's more to come, prophetically. <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and I said, I said, to, I said to little Dot, I said, Dot, what would you like me to say to Miss Bella the next time I see her? This is Dot. She says, well, you can tell her that I love reading. You can also tell her that I love playing and I love my sisters. And then just in Dorothy fashion. And you can tell her that I really love myself. <laughs> to which Millie responded, and what about me? And I said, Millie, what would you like me to tell her? She put her head back and said, you can tell her that I have new glasses <laughs> with flowers on the side. You see, um, the seeds that are being planted in the life of our children is not just in what we say to them or the time we make for them, but it is in who we are as we faithfully serve the Lord. I want you to recognize that the work we do with our children is very significant work. I want you as children's ministry workers to know that you are investing and planting seeds of faith that will be enduring in a world that will in every way seek to diminish the significance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The seeds that are sown now will yield an abundant harvest in years to come. Thank you. To all those who serve our youth and young adults, connecting them with God and with one another and for teaching them his word and his ways, thank you. We have a wonderful crop of young crop a wonderful crop of young people and young adults and leaders. Thank you. To all of our ministry leaders and their respective teams who focus upon mission, mentorship, encouragement, and sharing the gospel good news with those whom God has placed in your care. To those who enable us to worship together every Sunday by setting up and tearing down, by decorating and preparing communion, by running sound and PowerPoint uh, or, or media, whatever that is, by welcoming visitors and by making coffee. We ought to give God thanks for them. To those who lead us through the, to the throne of God's grace through Music Weekly, thank you for your humble, sacrificial, and faithful commitment to planning and leading us together into the presence of the living God. And then to our current church board, who have waded through the challenges we have faced over the past year, making difficult decisions, recognizing that... Um, we are in a season of life that demands discernment, spending countless hours in discussion discerning the best way forward. Our property committee, uh, for the incredible leadership and dedication to the cause, even in the highs and the lows of this, tracing this dream to have our own facility. Hubert Howe, you are the right man for the job. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
our finance committee for their wise counsel and effective stewardship of the financial resources God has given us. Thank you. Thank you. A special word of thanks to Leanne Hooper, who served as church board secretary over this past year. I said to Leanne when she started, I said to Leanne, I said, Leanne, we only meet for two hours. Well, previous year we did. I said, the requirements are not as strenuous as you think. And in every way, this year has made me a liar. (laughs) And yet, your leadership on the board and your commitment to this local church has been exemplary. Thank you for your friendship and your support. We really value you. I do. Milena, for her work in supporting the church office in a year of great transition. Where is she? There she is. Uh, This past year has required much of you, and you've responded with humility and a willingness to serve. What people may not know about you that I get to see firsthand is your deep commitment to this church and your great love for its people. And what they probably know is how you endure me. But thank you. My wife, Ruthie, and children, I'm going to be strong here. I won't cry. Sissy. Um, and children, Lauren, Luke, and Alana, words cannot express how full my heart is. When I think of you, thank you for believing in me and supporting me, for understanding and for sacrificing, you are more than I deserve. And then, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who called me by name 20 years ago to serve him by serving his church through the preaching of his word. He has never failed me yet. And his grace is always enough. No words can express my gratitude to Jesus Christ and for what he has done in my life. The good that is belongs to him. The praise that is given to me on occasion belongs to him. The joy that I experience comes from him. I am his and my life is in his hands. Respectfully submitted, Pastor Stuart Williams. Thank you.